Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm JJ Jank and I am your host for Brain Power Up. Our topic today is an inside look at punk rock operations and our leading lady today is Jennifer Yates with Rue. Good afternoon, Jennifer. What a great name. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, JJ. How are you? <laughs> Good. Jennifer connects everyday life observations with topics in business operations, and uh, we actually have a little bit in common in our professional lives, so I help people understand what works best for them in terms of productivity and your focus is on people at work, their personalities, how they do work, and understanding what what works best for them. Um, exactly. So I have a question. I have a question for you. Why did you name your company Rue? Oh my gosh. So Rue, which is not like a kangaroo or not like Winnie the Pooh Rue. <laughs> it is R O U X. It's that substance that we make when we're cooking in the kitchen with flour and fat. And, you know, if you do any kind of cooking, you know that roux provides structure and foundation to your dish, and all kinds of wonderful things happen um, from a roux. And so I was thinking about naming my company, and I'm from South Louisiana, and we always start with a roux for, you know, gumbos and etouffees and all kinds of wonderful dishes. And I thought, you know what? It That ingredient or, you know, combination of ingredients that is so structural and foundational to a delicious dish, it also translates to business operations, which is what I do. And so I wanted to... You know, I wanted to tie my company name to something that was really meaningful to me, which is my roots in South Louisiana, but that also made sense from a business point of view. And it actually does make sense. Like, I provide the structural foundation for wonderful things to happen in a business. And so that's how Rue came about. And it's short, it's easy to remember, and... Yeah, so I named my company Rue. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I guess you sometimes do have to spell it out, though, so people aren't like Rue, R-O-O, kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yes, it's the the one with the X in it, which is also meaningful. <laughs> the one with the X. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah you, were, you know, you were talking about, Louisiana and all of a sudden and you were talking about the food and I was like, ooh, all of that sounds good. I could use some crawfish etouffee right now. 
<laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, gr- I grew up on a a farm in southwest Louisiana. We grew rice, soybeans, and crawfish, actually. Mm. And oh, okay. I think, yeah. And, I, I mean, this is maybe a little off topic, but it is, it's, again, it's so meaningful to business. But when I was growing up, I, I had to work on the farm. You know, that's what you do when you live right. with a farmer. Um, you work on the farm. And one of my jobs was to drive a tractor that pulled what's called a land leveler. So it's like a blade that co- kind of collects and then redistributes dirt and soil around the field because, you know, you can picture a rice field. It's filled with water. You have to have flat land to fill it with water to make that water be even in the rice field. So one of my jobs was to, yeah, drive that tractor. And what's interesting is when I think about that as related to business, one of the first things I had to do before getting in the tractor was kind of look at the lay of the land. What does this field look like? Where are the high points? Where are the low points? How am I going to redistribute this soil? And when I think about it, it's kind of like what I do today in a business. I come in, I look at the lay of the land, I figure out what's working in that business, where the gaps or the low points are, and how can I kind of rebalance that business so that it can operate in, you know, a more productive way or hold that water Mm -hmm. evenly and in a balanced way. So there's a lot of what I do that's besides my company name that's tied to my (laughs) upbringing in Louisiana on a rice farm. And the food, you know, got to love food. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sadly, I don't have any, I don't really have any crawfish etouffee or anything like that or gumbo. In my in my background, I I uh, I grew up in the suburbs, um, and yeah, so it's you know definitely less of a less of an origin story. <laughs> well, one of these days we can get on a virtual Zoom, and I can show you a very quick and easy way to make a roux that is delicious for gumbo. So. <laughs> All right, sounds like a plan. Um, and so uh, so I kind of like, you know, you were talking about here's how I grew up and here's how, you know, this thing affected, you know, how I run my business. And I know you and I had talked a little bit about how um, you were a geographer and how that affects your business. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how you tie some of these everyday operations to, you know, or everyday observations to um, topics in business operations so that you can help um, – the business owners, uh, you, you know, um, streamline what they're doing. Yeah. So I do have um, degrees in geography, and most people are like, wait a minute, how does, how does that translate to business operations? So, and, and the reason people question that is because they think of geography as – oh, that's cool, you know where every country in the world is and you know where all the capital cities are and what (laughs) a country's imports and exports are. But um, it 
really starts with kind of a geography 101 education, which is geography is taking a look at the lay of the land or taking a look across space and seeing patterns across space. So you may see a pattern of transportation routes, and then you may see a pattern of cities, um, and then another pattern of, you know, some, some other things. So what we do is we just look for patterns across land or space, and then mm -hmm. we kind of tie those patterns together. We understand the relation. I'm going to take it back to a food analogy because we're on that, that roll. Awesome. <laughs> so if you, think of a, <laughs> if you think of a layer cake, you know, you've got layer number one, layer number two, layer number three, and depending on how many layers in your cake, each layer is in and of itself a piece of cake, right? It's meaningful. But right. when you stack them all together and then you slice that cake into a piece, you can see how all of those cake layers are interconnected. And so that is really the essence of what geography is. We're looking for patterns across space, and then we connect each of those patterns together and look for the relationships kind of in a vertical way of those patterns. Mm -hmm. And so that way of thinking is called spatial thinking, and it is literally a thing. Like you can Google it, Wikipedia will tell you all about spatial thinking or spatial intelligence, and it's something that people are born with. Like they just have it in their heads. Like I, I can picture mm -hmm. a space and put all the pieces together in my head, but it's also that analytical evaluation of a space and putting, connecting the dots and putting the relationships together mm -hmm. and seeing something from all angles and all zoom levels. Okay, so great. Now we know a little bit about what geography is. <laughs> How does that relate right. to business? It's you know, what, I'm going to, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you pause here um, and we will get back to that. I just need to, um, take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. And then, um, so hold your thought. <laughs> okay. Okay. Women lead radio is brought to you today by connected women of influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good. And that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. Now back to our show. So now that we understand, you know, kind of what spatial relations are, you are just about to tie that into what you do as a punk rock business operations leader. Yeah. So um, basically I take that thinking and I apply it to business. So I'm looking at the landscape of a business. What are all the functions? Who are all the people? What is all the work that those people do? What are the business goals? And I start to see patterns across that business and understand, you know, the relationships and the interconnectedness between all of the functions, the different people, the way they're working, the type of work they're doing. 
and I can I can easily and very quickly kind of get a lay of the land and I even see patterns in people and personalities. What are their strengths? What should we direct them to as far as work? What is their work style? What you know, what motivates them? I I just get in and I can see it and understand it and then help the business, you know, function a little bit better. And having, you know, kind of having that quote-unquote field work mentality where I'm, you know, a, an, an observer to what's going on and then I become a participant to help it, um, help it grow and, you know, gotcha. I guess feel better, yeah. Uh-huh. That's great. Uh, if you're just joining the show, welcome back to Brain Power Up. And with us today is Jennifer Yates of Rue. We're talking about punk rock uh, business operations. And um, one thing that I did want to touch on, because um, I actually had kind of a weird, and, and you and I had talked about this, I had kind of a weird um, nonlinear background. And as part of my background, which was mainly in finance, I did some project management, and so um, some of my work involves, like, process mapping and stuff. Um, but you also um, love the agile philosophy of software development, agile being, uh, for, for the people who don't necessarily know, it's a, it's a way to do software development that, is, that doesn't take, like, you know, the year to 18 months of traditional project management. It's very um, all the stakeholders are involved in the development um, and it's done in like sprints, so you kind of figure out what you're going to do for the next two weeks, do it, test it, and that way you don't come up with a product, you know, 18 months later, find out that it no longer fits the project or it doesn't work or there's QA that has to be done. And in, in, in an agile situation, it kind of, um, the QA is being done more or less constantly. Um, so you're just taking something, throwing it out to the market, finding out if it works and when it doesn't, or if there's something that doesn't work, bring it back um, and um, and fix it, and then throw it back out again. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so why are you such a fan of Agile, and how do you translate that into um, the work of teams that aren't software developers? Yeah, I I got started or introduced to Agile back in 2008 when my I, – because I come from corporate, and my former company um, brought that into software, our software development team. And mm-hmm. that team asked me to be their scrum master, and I was like, you're what? <laughs> um, and the role <laughs> of the scrum – I know. I was like, okay, tell me more. What is this? But the role of a scrum master is to keep that team moving forward and to remove obstacles. And the reason they asked me is we're a team of type A personalities and you're the only one that can kind of wrangle us and keep us from, you know, veering too far off course. So that was my first introduction and I absolutely fell in love with it and here is the main reason why the main or one of the main tenets of agile development or agile principles is that the teams are self-organizing 
So instead of like a manager or a leader telling a team how they should do their work, the team gets to decide what works best for them. And that really spoke to me because it's the doers who are actually doing the work and executing (laughs) on it who collectively Mm -hmm. decide this is what works best for us. And then, you know, you talked about in your little intro of Agile how the stakeholders are involved and it's very nimble. I love that too. But from a team (laughs) perspective, even the way they operate with, within Agile, that Agile framework is very nimble. So they'll try, like, okay, like, you know, whatever. A daily stand-up where they meet every day, a daily stand-up isn't working for us. We want to change it to, you know, some other schedule or some other way. The whole team, first of all, has to be in agreement to make that change. So it democratizes Mm -hmm. decisions across the team. And then once they decide, they can trial and error. Okay, that, that new schedule didn't work. Let's go back to the old schedule. And so there, there's kind of this, you know, there's this self-actualization and also mm. um, the ability to be flexible and try things out for the team and then pull it back if they need to, and it's okay. So there's always kind of – a release and then an optimize of, you know, the whole thing. So what you talked about was more on the product side, but I love it for that reason exactly because then you're not going to deliver something that is like, oh, my God, we mm-hmm. veered way off path. Um, it's clo- You know, what you deliver is closer to the actual desire and, but on the team level, it's the same thing with them. They get to, you know, they get to make their own decisions um, in this in this exercise. Another um, aspect of you know, kind of the team centric piece of this is mm-hmm. agile practices really do protect the the time of the team. So they can feel kind of insulated and their boundaries are in place with agile practices because, you know, they are sprinting and they have their two-week sprint or whatever it is, whatever they decide that sprint's going to be. Usually two, it's two to three weeks. But that sprint time is now sacred time. No new requests can come in during that time. They've committed to a a set of work within that time frame, and they're going to deliver on that set of work. And it's really empowering to a team to be able to make their own decisions, decide on the work that they're going to do. And it is, you know, that work is decided based on priorities that the stakeholders have defined, but they get to decide on that work that they're going to do, and then that work becomes protected and sake that time or those boundaries become sacred. And then at the end, there's celebrations, you know, that they completed the work and, you know, they released it and there's ceremonies and celebrations. And I like that about the Agile framework as well. And, you know, just because software development 
tends to use it doesn't mean it can't work for other teams that aren't in software. Absolutely. Because yeah, yeah, every team needs to feel like you know they're empowered to work on mm-hmm. you know that they really that they really own. Yeah. yeah, that they really yeah. own what they're working on. So when you're when you're working uh, with clients, um, do you, do you do you bring in agile principles to all to all the businesses, or just certain ones, or do you kind of say, hey, here's something you should check out. It might help you work together better. How do you how do you do that? It really depends on the kind of work that the the business is doing. Many businesses that are kind of project-based or they have – well, actually any kind of business I think is like a a potential business for the Agile framework. And Mm -hmm. so I do talk a lot about it with my client businesses. It may not work for everyone, but there, there are certain projects that seem like they should be more waterfall in nature, like one thing happens and then the next, they're sequential. So one thing happens, you make a milestone, and then something else happens. In my opinion, okay, so that may not be suited necessarily for the sprint or the scrum cycle, I guess the scrum cycle, but there's an agile practice using Kanban that that kind of work is absolutely ripe for. So the Kanban system is a sequential flow. It's, you know, tasks in and then tasks out. But what you do for that protection space is you limit your work in progress. So right. if, you, if you and I were playing catch, and I threw one ball to you, you could catch it. If I threw two balls in to theory, you, I, 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 in I don't theory. catch balls very well. <laughs> <laughs> in theory, that, you that could whole catch hand-eye it. coordination thing for me is a little, yeah, it doesn't work that great. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but go so on, I, I understand the analogy. Like if you had somebody who could actually catch balls, yeah, if you threw one yeah. ball to them, yeah, they could probably catch it. Two balls starts making it more difficult. Yeah, but then, JJ, even if we suspend disbelief, if I threw 20 balls at you, what's going <laughs> to happen? They're all going to fall down and start bouncing, you know, around. So if you think Well, and some of, of them are probably going to hit me. <laughs> yes, exactly. That like exactly. You're going to get burned by, you know, the, a bouncy ball. So, yep. Limiting your work in progress is the same concept of only throwing you one or two balls or whatever it is at a time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, within your ability. And that Kanban system of tasks in tasks out, but limiting and protecting the amount you have in flight at any one time is a form yeah, of agile you, practice. Gotcha. You know, that's actually kind of an interesting analogy um, because, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I work on in productivity is the idea that um, if you have 20 tasks, tasks on your to-do list in a day, 
you're not going to get to them all. So, you know, some of the, some of those task balls are going to hit you in the face. And then you're also mm-hmm. going to feel bad or, you know, lazy or guilty, you know, whatever. None of these things people should feel what they do, right? Um, because they didn't get their task list done. And it's not because they were lazy or because they, you know, didn't work hard enough. It's just that there are so many hours of work and, and tasks take so much time and nobody can really expect to, to do 20, you know, especially not cognitively demanding tasks in a day. So I really, I really like that ball analogy because it's, it's very, it's very similar, even though I, you know, as you know, I, I specialize in the productivity, but it's kind of that same idea of, yeah, 20 balls is not manageable. That's absolutely true. And if you think about it too, like I know, you know, one of the things you do in productivity is, you know, helping people get into their flow and using the time of day that suits them best. And then an exercise that I find fascinating that, you know, you could do if you're teaching a group of people how this works is you have like a a note taker or whatever, and their goal is to complete everyone's like complete writing down everyone's name in the group. But the constraint is you have to go around the room and write one letter of their name at a time until you complete it. So that's, <laughs> and you think about that as related to like multitasking or code switching and look at how yeah. long that would take as opposed to focusing on writing Jennifer out in complete, you know, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R completely, then moving on to Susan, S-U-S-A-N, and then moving on (laughs) to the next person and so on. And so to get a group together and kind of force them to do that exercise where they're first completing, you know, one letter (laughs) at a time, like J, J, S. (laughs) you know, whatever, yeah. and then, and showing them, it's like, it's fascinating. People who are caught up in their 20 task to-do list, they don't think about, you know, like how simple it is to see that this, you know, this isn't the way it should be or the way that works best for them until you really illustrate it in an everyday kind of exercise like that. Right. That's interesting. So, yeah. I, um, you know, another thing that I was, that I think kind of ties into this because I think both of us um, are really kind of against this idea that everybody needs to just buckle down and grind it out for 14 hours a day. Um, And you had mentioned um, that you're passionate about humane technology, um, which is why you don't have any social media except LinkedIn. Um, And I too, I, well, I do have Facebook, but that's just for, that's for personal use. But yeah, so my, my only work, so my only work social media is LinkedIn. And you had mentioned that you got a, certificate as a humane technologist from the Center of Humane Technology earlier this year. Um, so what are kind of the, do you, do you ever kind of t- take what you learned in humane technology and try to bring that to clients if you feel like they're kind of getting away from, 
you know, the humaneness of working with other people? Yes and no. Um, it does that my, my belief and my, I guess my affinity and my strong um, opinions on humane technology actually inform my business for the kinds of clients I am willing to work with. So, yeah, so in a lot of ways, you know, the companies I work with are already in the space of doing something better for the world, their local community, for people in general. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still a company. It's a collection of people. It's a collection of personalities. So, you know, even though their mission and their vision may be for betterment and they're, you know, they're trying to do good every once in a while because of the, you know, the multiple personalities and work styles and everything, you do have to kind of remind people, like, you know, it's important to bring (laughs) your company values back to your people and your culture, make them feel connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. I really enjoyed uh, having you on, and I apologize. I should have done this a little bit earlier in the show, but in case our listeners want to reach you after the show, what's the best way for them to contact you? Super easy. www.workwithru. That's W-O-R-K-W-I-T-H-R-O-U-X.com. Workwithru.com and... Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So we will also have a link to your website on the radio show page as well. And then uh, just very quickly, did you have anything, any upcoming events we should know about? Um, I may be on television on Monday, but I don't like, I know, I know. So I'll have to tell you about that. I don't, I okay, don't have great. anything. Mm-mm. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if you do, you can always, yeah, let me know. And, um, yeah, and I'm sure you'll have it on your website so people will find it on there. Um, that is our show for today. I'd like to say thank you to Jennifer Yates for being our leading lady today. And a special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. And it has been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. So thanks for listening, and have a great and brainy weekend. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.